With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
at 845-277-9146 or go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash KDCL media. That's it. And we're about to turn it on here because we have a lot to talk about tonight. We have... um, We're going to be uh, covering everything that's been going on here around the home front, preparing for what looks like about to be Oro Expeditions 18 for some reason. You know, it's it's August, but we're going to make it. It's about to happen. And there's one great big reason why I'm able to say that with certainty. It has a lot to do with a new acquisition made by the expedition. And uh, we're going to be ca- talking a lot about that also, along with um, the usual. We got the uh, journal from the 49ers. Uh, catch up with that quick here just in shortly. And we hope we have uh, some of the people that have been checking us out in archives join us live because we know you're out there. Yes, and uh, the acquisition was the reason we were not on the air last Sunday night <laughs> we, we we weren't uh, where we could broadcast so we didn't and everything's been in such a hectic flurry this weekend this week that uh, it was debatable as to whether we were going to be on tonight but we decided we're home it doesn't matter how hectic things are we're going to be on so here we are and here we are and uh, it's funny because missing a week, as usual, I'm not sure where we're at with the journal. So if it <laughs> sounds a little familiar, you might want to call in or jump in the chat room and let me know because it's all new to me. <laughs> well, if it, if you read it five minutes ago, it might be might. all new to me. You're right. Anyway. <laughs> And we won't even explain that. That's for another show. That's not even for After Dark. That's for another show entirely. But anyhow, here we go. Diary of a 49er, Part 7. This happened just after Christmas, December 27th, at the gold mining camp on Curtis Creek. 27 December, after visiting all the mines and finding out but in different prospects at any of them, I located myself at Curtis Creek. Does this sound familiar? I don't think so. I think I talked about what was coming next. That's why I said Curtis Creek before. To labor in the winter diggings, I was without a companion and heard of a gentleman from New England who was desirous of sharing his tent and provisions with someone. He had been out of health and was supposed to be improving. Yeah, actually, I did do this when this is where he takes him and buries him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm glad I caught that. Number eight, right? Yeah, (laughs) we're up into February. That's right. February 2nd, and I I know what the first part of January in the Stanislaus feels like, so it's probably about the same as the first part of February. But anyhow, part eight, February 2nd, 1850, prospecting the Tulumni area. February 2nd, prospected today with Mr. L of Livingston Manor upon the Hudson River. Mr. L has a quite easy way, quiet, easy way, as he is seated upon some rocks examining the dirt and turning over the stones at the bottom of some hole, which gives the impression to anyone who may be happening to look on from a distance 
that he is picking up pieces of gold. We were thus seated today, and he was scraping the clay from a stone and showed me several small scales, when two miners who had been working all day above us hurried down and eagerly asked what he had found. They would not believe when we told them, but sat there an hour watching every movement, ready on the appearance of the lumps to take possession of the next claim. Miners practice many arts to deceive others with regard to what they may be doing, especially is the case if they are doing well. When they generally say they are doing nothing, reasoning as did Sir Walter Scott after he had published Waverley and wishing to conceal his authorship. People had no right to ask if he was the author, and therefore it was the right for him to deceive them. I found it was better to tell the truth. The very purpose of concealment was thus better accomplished for, speak as you might, you were sure not to be believed, and you were thus spared the sin of a falsehood. The only indication by which I came to judge that miners were doing well in any place was to find them early and late and constantly at their work. Our prospecting gave us 25 cents each for the day. February 4th. This is a day to be remembered. Letters from home. If any one would have learned the full significance of these words, let him pass 10 months in California without one word from loved ones an unhappy exile from his own family. They may be sick, suffering, and dying, and he who should be near them to care for and protect and comfort them is far away and knows not their condition. It is an error in the minds, the arrival of the mail agent. How cheerfully are our two dollars to a letter paid. It was like receiving back my family from the dead, those letters, after so long and weary of silence. I am happy and I am miserable. I am calm, and I am fearfully excited. It is an era in the miner's life when such, although tardy messengers, reach him. I have been present when many of these have given up to their owners their treasures of love or their burden of wretchedness. One has just opened his letter and burst into immoderate weeping. I inquire the cause. My wife and child are both dead. I, a physician of one of the hospitals, told me that they dared not give their letters from home to those who were very sick, that in very several instances they had seen persons in this condition upon reading their letters turn over and die. A party of individuals from the ranches on the plains below passed us on their way to the headwaters of the Tulumni in pursuit of Indians who had stolen some of their mules. They were joined by numbers of miners. February 5th. There's an excitement with regard to a bar one mile above us. Captain W. and myself have spent the day there and made $5.37 each. The lump of gold found at Sonora, and which it was said weighed 70 pounds, actually weighs only 22 pounds. <laughs> only. The miner through whom I received my information had a claim next to the one in which this lump was found. It lay within two inches of the very spot where he was at work. One blow of his pick would have given him possession of it instead of the other one. February 6th. We have today made 75 cents each. Not very good. An interesting instance of success happened recently in a gulch upon the Stanislaus in our vicinity. Two young men on their way to the mines heard of this gulch and concluded to commence their mining at that place. But when they arrived there, they found the whole ground considerably favorable occupied. Not knowing what to do or where to go, 
they made their first testing in a small ravine across which a log had been thrown for the convenience of the crowd constantly passing over it. In this ravine, by the side of the log, they dug a hole. They came to a crevasse in the rock and saw open before them a sight which makes miners' hearts glad. Pounds and pounds of pure virgin gold lying in lumps and scales but awaiting their slightest effort to transfer it to their own pockets. I'd say they hit a pocket. <laughs> February 7th. This forenoon, my share was only 25 cents. Wait a minute. What happened to that other stuff? Commentary there. Went in somebody else's pocket. Yeah, I guess. Somebody else's pocket was in their pocket. In the afternoon, visited Yorktown. The diggings here are at a distance from any stream upon the plain, but it is probable the stream once ran over the ground where the gold is now found. Before the gold can be taken out, excavations must be made from 12 to 20 feet in depth. Ah, overburden. One cup showed about eight uh, about eight ounces of beautiful gold taking out, taken out in five hours, but it must be remembered that three men had been working hard clearing off for seven days during which no gold was made. This work is so severe and exposing that many of Yorktown are sick with rheumatism. Cut from the story for a second. Remember going by through the Yorktown Way and how there was no trees? Except yeah. Some of those Spanish oaks sticking up here and there. Yeah. There's why. They cut them all off the gold mine. Yeah. <laughs> February 8th, we divided today 12 cents to each man. The party previously mentioned who went out in pursuit of the Indians returned late last night, having with them the scalp of one Indian, which they had taken after decoying him and decoying him into an ambush. They have mutilated the body and then dragged it about with ropes made fast to the pummel at, of the saddle. They rode through the settlement almost too drunk to keep their seats, firing their guns and pistols, whilst their mouths issued volleys of shrieks and imprecations. It should be mentioned in justice to several who started with this party that becoming disgusted with the proceedings of their companions left them and consequently must not share in the disgrace of these transactions. February 9th, we visited a wild mountain ravine and made $4.10 each today. Not much writing, too cold. February 11th, Monday, in the same place, we have made each $5.62. Colder still. February 12th, have made 15 cents. Colder yet. February 15th, I must place a cipher against all our labors today. How expressive the miner's phrase worked out. Others may go after him and make pounds of gold, but what he can, labor as he may, become discouraged and leave, then return again and again, for him it has worked out, and with longing, lingering looks, he at length abandons it as a hopeless task. February 14th, Mormon Gulch. The rainy season seems to have passed. Today, in company with several companions who purposed trying the ravine and dry diggings with me, came to this place. This is a settlement about four miles from Curtis Creek. We heard considerable excitement existing at Woods as we came through. A miner who was well-known and esteemed was found near that settlement murdered. He started yesterday with considerable gold, intending to establish himself in a business in Stockton. We read this one, too. I don't remember that his one. His life was taken for his money, a quartz mountain, 
near woods rising abruptly above the valley and showing its glittering white crest at its summit, drew our attention. Some experiments have been made here to obtain gold from this white rock, but thus for, for far without success. All the winter encampments are breaking up. The miners are on the move. The log and stone houses, and sometimes the tents, are deserted. Within a short distance, we saw over 300 pack mules moving about in every direction. And, yeah, I guess you're right. Because that was right at the end, and the one that was kind of like that was more in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> that was... Uh... I think that was the first one that we've heard that spoke of murder. Most of the other ones, they died from cholera or pneumonia frostbite. or frostbite. But I like that how he kept saying, can't write, too cold. Too cold, yeah. Still, <laughs> and all he was given was the amount of money they made and the date. <laughs> but that's 1849 in uh, the High Sierra for you. They were in the foothills in this during this time in the Tulumne area and so on, that's the high foothills of the High Sierra. Yeah. West, western slope of the High Sierra. Tucked up under a little place called Donner Pass and Immigrant Gap. Which is another story altogether <laughs> when it comes to uh, the settlers moving across the Oregon Trail. And they weren't looking for gold. They were looking for a new way of life after the Civil War. Well, they were supposed to be on the Oregon Trail, but the group you're talking about went too They far got south. lost. Yeah, they got lost. They decided to take the quick route across Utah, and it didn't work. No, I was just uh, scrolling through. We got our newsletter today from New 49ers. Oh. And... Um, I was just scrolling through some of the stuff that Dave McCracken had in this month's edition, and uh, he was talking about uh, the uh, legal fund, and they have a drawing every couple of months to help build money for the legal fund. They've uh, been fighting along with uh, – um, Public lands for the people. I drew a blank there. P P L P. Yeah, um, against uh, with Judge Ochoa and all that with the the dredging uh, court cases in California, and uh, he was talking about how um, the maintenance fee that you pay every year, in addition to your uh, what you pay for your um, membership, how it goes to uh, maintain the properties and uh, the office, and and yeah, you know, he basically makes a list of you know where where all that money goes every year from all of the members when they pay their maintenance fee, and he goes on to say uh, there remains hope that America will wake up and realize we need to produce volume and wealth and excess of what we consume. Mr. Trump and his team appear to be leading the charge on this, so he's not getting as much support from Congress and mainstream press that he deserves. So we must try and estimate the depth of the swamp and predict if Mr. Trump has the capability to drain it. The whole world hangs in this balance. It remains too early to predict the outcome. One of the developments that gives me hope is the ongoing efforts by 
the Trump team and other conservatives to overhaul the Endangered Species Act, ESA. There's a strong push right now to develop America's natural resources in a responsible way rather than to continue making them off limits. This in itself is a reason to help Republicans maintain control of the House and Senate during midterm elections. Um, I'm just reading Mr. McCracken's opinion. This is not the opinion of the host. <laughs> though, though I do proclaim to be a constitutionalist, it is it is the existing ESA that succeeded in killing the once profitable logging industry in America, that produced thousands upon thousands of good-paying jobs. It would be interesting to see the statistics on how much timber is harvested off the federal lands these days, compared to how much is burned to the ground in wildfires due to really stupid policies which have been adopted by state and federal authorities. Our suction dredging industry in the western U.S. has been shut down over concerns for the endangered or threatened coho salmon. This, even though there is zero evidence that suction dredging ever harmed a single fish of any kind. In in fact, the most recent study performed on cumulative impact of all suction dredging determined that the effects were so small that they could not be measured. But the deep state is not interested in real science that does not support their narrative. So productive activity is closed down by the states while they continue to sell millions of fish kill licenses to anyone who wants to go fishing. And while our valuable forests and and now some communities are burning to the ground, there are some signs that the political winds are finally trending more in our direction. My sources are telling me that the state of California has informed the Klamath National Forest, where all our gold properties are located, that they should prepare for suction dredging to start up again during the 2019 summer season. The KNF has taken this seriously enough to post an experienced minerals officer in the Fort Jones district that manages both the Salmon and Scott River watersheds. The Salmon River is ground zero where all the years of litigation started with the Crook tribe. On top of that, myself and others have been invited and will be attending a meeting later this week with California water quality control officials who are beginning the process of adopting a permit to allow suction dredging while protecting water quality. Fake news and left-leaning political activism aside, In the end, it will only be integrity and pursuit of the truth that will lead us toward enlightenment and prosperity. There seems to be some meaningful progress at the moment. Largely due to what I have explained in the paragraphs above, I personally believe we should stay the course for a while longer and see how these larger forces play out. I am willing, I being Dave McCracken, I am willing to invest my personal resources to keep the program going as long as you guys, our members, are also willing to hang in there until we overcome what is destroying America or it becomes clear that there is no longer any hope. There is more hope now than there was two years ago. I am eternally grateful to those of you who stick it out alongside me and our loyal staff. And uh, that was from the New 49ers news, monthly newsletter. You, know, you can find it over at uh, www.goldgold.com. And that's, uh, or just type in New 49ers. <laughs> yep. 
Go gold is easy to remember. I like that. That was my favorite part about that group. And we spent uh, the better part of summer of 2015 hanging out as New 49ers, uh, one of the groups that we belong, have lifetime membership to. Yes. And they, uh, I, I will always speak well of everybody that I met there. Uh, the town of Happy Camp is a great bunch of people. Um, it's, the Klamath River is uh, a wild and crazy river. It's not just your average, oh, let's go to the river and get some gold type of place. Uh, there are places on the river that are deadly, just to be blunt. Um, there's deadly rapids. There's, there can, it, it can be, when the water levels are up, it can be real deadly. Because, well, uh, yeah, when we first came back on the air, I read that story about the guy that almost drowned in Savage Rapids. Right. And, you know, this, we lived there on the side of the road in a 12-foot box trailer, made a very nice gold camp out of it, and, uh, we're right there on the gold. You could step out. I could step out with my coffee cup in the morning and go down 30 paces to the edge of the river and pan for gold. So uh, it was a great summer, 2015, hanging out with everybody that we met and looking forward to taking. Going back. Going back. But I was going to say taking something new back. Yeah. But it's not new, it's used, but it's new to us. Well, let's just say we won't be living in a box trailer. <laughs> it won't be a 12-foot box trailer with an airbed. No. And a Coleman stove. No. You're going to have something just a little better, ain't you? Yes. Why don't you tell them about it? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure we can find any place <laughs> in Happy Camp where this beast will fit. Um, <laughs> but, It'll uh, fit just fine right down there where we had the 12-footer. But uh, a great big parking lot right on the river. Yeah. But uh, last weekend we we searched far and there wide. Reason, there was really good reason we weren't on the air last Sunday night. We searched hard, far and wide on Craigslist <laughs> and, and a few other places. And then threw a dart at the map and went as far west as Indianapolis, but came back into Ohio. Well, the east side of it. Yeah, the east side of Indianapolis. Um, and then uh, ended up back in uh, southern Ohio. Saw what? Four really nice RVs. Yeah, saw four really motor nice motorhomes. And picked a 1995 Fleetwood, six. 1996, 5'6, half and half. You said to go <laughs> by what it said on the door. I'm going by what it says on the door. It says 96. <laughs> um, Fleetwood Southwind wide body motor wide body 102. It's like big truck pulling a 102 wide trailer. You got to have the whole lane. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a little skinny country road. Hang on tight. And uh, the uh, first time in Oro's entire driving career, he drove under the speed limit. I'm loving it. <laughs> But it's, hey, now don't be putting down the new <laughs> big buggy. As I, I didn't. Call it, cause I it'll didn't. run. It's got a 460 horse in it, Ford on a Ford chassis. But the, these uh, apparently the Southwind wide bodies were either the Cadillac or the Mercedes of their time. It's uh, well, there was one I believe called a Storm. I think that was one above it. But uh, this is it's it's very nice. Um, 
it's in uh it's not in immaculate condition, but it's in very good condition on the inside. It's it was surprisingly good gas mileage for a four sixty. Yeah yeah. Even though it's really crappy. Has air ride <laughs> and we expected really crappy. We don't have to worry about it. So now we, we tangled up. Here. Yeah, I can hear that. And <laughs> or it was going to be strangled. <laughs> but, but I'm back. I made it. But it will. I think. Yeah. Now put your microphone back. But it will make a, a very nice. Um, It'll be a lot nicer than living in a tent on an air bed or living in a twelve foot box trailer. Now we did we did splurge for the tent uh in seventeen when we went to do the solar thing. Yeah, when we, we did went to blue bucket trailer living out there. We had a we had a flatbed trailer that we hauled everything on and we had a really nice large cabin tent. Yeah. Anybody yeah, we had a flat- cabin tent. <laughs> <laughs> Actually we have a cabin tent and we have a large dome tent, both. 12-person dome tent. Yeah. yeah, both of them are 10 by 20. Those will be equipment. Have only been used once. Those for will be equip- equipment sheds in Gold Camp. Oh, no, so, actually, the, the cabin tent's been used twice because we went down to Gold Vein, or to Vane Mountain. Yeah. And it's a great tent. Yeah. Got it off a of finger hut. And, man, what was the brand name on it? Oh, don't get me to lie, and I don't remember. I got to go look. It's but, been a year, it's been a year since I looked at it. <laughs> it's a, it's what you would consider a three season tent. It's got a nice thick floor. It's, it's an unusual uh, name. Corners are double sewn, so they don't pull when you put it up. Well, the, one person, believe it or not, it's a. Let me see if I get this right now. It's a ten by seventeen. Ten by twenty. Ten by twenty, and one person can set it up in less than ten minutes. Well. After the experience, I would say two people, 10 minutes. One person, probably about 45. 20 minutes, yeah. <laughs> well, you got to walk all the way around that big tent and put all the stakes in, yeah. Well, it's... it's uh, but the whole idea of what I'm talking about is how it unfolds. The, the, yeah, the frame is built in, and you unfold it, and you you know pull things out so the uh, poles out so you know they go to their full height and... And then when you fold it up, it folds up the frame and everything, so you're not fooling with the poles and the tent. It's just all right there together. And the hardest part is getting it to stand all the way up to its full height. But in the middle, you can be, I think it's like seven foot tall in the middle. It's its nice and roomy. and For a tent, it's nice, but it's a tent. So I'll be glad to be out of the tent and... No more 80 degree nights in a tent wishing for a cool breeze. (laughs) Just reach reach up and turn on that air conditioner. That's it. Click. That's all we got to do. But uh, coming down bottom of the hour, and uh, you're listening to Oral Expeditions After Dark. And that's something else that we're going to be talking about coming up here in the second half of the first hour is a little bit of change in programming. Um, It seems that we have quite a bit to talk to in the After Dark segment, and I know a lot of what we're going to cover might scare some people. Mm. So, you know, it's it's all about 
money. Yeah, the scary money. What, what's that saying about uh, something about the devil and money? Oh, money being the root of all evil. Root of all evil. That's it. That's one I couldn't think of. I always thought that was stupid, so that's why I couldn't remember it. <laughs> well, it kind of is. Um, anyhow, um, you know, that's we're going to do probably almost as much or more after dark as we are gold mining tonight because uh, I want to get into quite a bit about something that we're going to be working on as far as a new show. Oh, we're still working on that new show. No, no, this oh. new show, because remember we said what we, no, you don't remember what we talked yeah. about today? Yeah, oh, the, well, yeah, what we talked about today, yes. Yes, where we're kind of re- rearranging another show. Yeah. Okay. I've I've done a lot since then. <laughs> it's been a long day since then. No, this isn't just me talking about making up another show, oh, as, okay. we, as I was doing two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, this it was doing some restructuring. And the restructuring will create what'll be one good two hour show that'll be about a lot of different subjects. Not just crypto and current and Bitcoin. Right. So hang on tight for that. Be looking for it. It's probably it could possibly be on a different night. Um same time usually. Nine PM Eastern usually works great for timing. So, but you definitely want to hang out and see what's going on with all of that. Did you yeah, think new over here? Um, no, I don't think so. But it, it means a whole lot more artwork <laughs> for me. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you just like making work for me. I know. Mm-hmm. Well, let's 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 uh, take a little bit of the work away for George. Mining is done cleaner in the United States than anywhere else. There's no reason for us to be dependent upon foreign countries for the minerals we consume. If you drive all the mining out of this country and put it somewhere else, we lose all those jobs. I'll tell you, them Flacco environmentalists are going to be driving cars. They're going to be eating with silverware. And and all that stuff is metals, and somebody's got to mine it. I love this country, folks. Don't make no bones about that. But they don't understand that if we do away with all our mining rights, it's going to be done someplace else. We're going to be a third-rate country one of these days, folks. I am an advocate for any industry that's good for America. Automobile building, computer building, space industry. If you can't mine it and you can't grow it, it don't exist, folks. You can't allow this to continue to go on. Somebody's got to speak up for it. That's what GPAA is doing, and that's why I'm a member of it. Association of America. GPAA, Gold Prospectors Association of America. That's right. We're members, too, Lifetime and the Lost Dutchman Mining Association. Um that's an organization that's kind of like the 49ers. It's right now in a more of a liquid, I guess, more of a forming. Fluid situation. Fluid, that's what I'm trying to think of. It's, it's, it's more of a fluid club because they have a lot of uh, members in and new members coming in and some leaving and different things happening at the different camps. But Lost Dutchman Mining Association is the best of the best in my book, simply because of the people that I met so far in the camps that I've been to. 
Now, there's a lot of politics, just like with any big club or with any large organization where you put a lot of people together, especially if they're from a lot of different places and, you know, a lot of different ways of thinking. And it seems that there are some people that can't get over the fact that there's going to be, it's just like in your family, you know, family fights, family argues, and then they get over it. You know, it's the same way with a big club. It comes to something like gold mining. Um, you know, this is only one of a couple of different types of organizations like this I've ever been involved with because I never believed in a big organization simply because of the politics and the crap that people bring to the table with them. Now, the people I'm talking about, which I'm pretty sure is the majority of the people in any gold mining club or gold prospecting club, that I've been a part of, and we've been a part of quite a few, is the major majority are people that, like the people we met when we went to Blue Bucket, the uh, LDMA claim in Southeast Oregon during the eclipse last August. You know, that was a trip of a lifetime that we took. And it was not only a trip of a lifetime for just one reason, but for multiple reasons. We were able to go for the second time to our first ever 11 Western states lost Dutchman mining claim because before that, just a month before, we, when we first joined, uh, decided to pay up and join, we went to Bain Mountain in North Carolina. So that was actually our first camp. But the big deal was August, as great as Bain Mountain is, and we're looking forward to getting back there shortly, um, the big deal last year was the solar eclipse. And... To be able to be sitting in a field with a group of gold miners, and I'm talking about people that take it serious. I'm not talking about your weekend prospectors. The majority of people that were at this event, and it numbered, I believe, just over 200 in number, most of them were what you consider gold miners, not just prospectors. And, you know, they got the large RV, they got all the equipment. They, most of them are retired like we are and able to travel, uh, you know, and do a lot of, a lot of it in different places, usually in the 11 Western states. So that's the group that we were hanging with for the eclipse last year. So whenever I hear people talking about, or I see people post things online about, you know, the negative things that are going on, maybe with them or with somebody they know in a group, regardless of which club it is. And it happens with all of them, just so you know. We've seen the same crap, the same politics, and the same hard feelings, and people getting upset and quitting, selling their memberships, and so on and so forth. And it's all for nothing because a small group of people pissed them off. Okay? My take on it is you, you, you get out of it what you put in it. If you go to a group outing and you're looking for a reason to be mad, you're probably going to find it. If you're calling into the headquarters of any one of these groups and you're looking for a reason to be upset or you're already pissed off about something, guess what? You're probably not going to have a very good conversation on the phone. These are all little for instances I'm talking about that I've been reading about. And it really sucks because some, some of the people that I'm reading this with are good friends. And I really hope that I get to see them out on the gold trail with these respective clubs that we're a part of. But the good news for us, both of the two, the two clubs that we're talking about, 
well, three if you mention GPAA and LDMA as two different ones, and you put together that with the new 49ers, you just put together a whole country full of places to go get gold. And most of them, regardless of what the Internet will tell you, are loaded. Yes, we've had good luck with uh, the claims that we've been on, both with 49ers and uh, GPAA and LDMA. So, um, Well, it's some luck. It's some research. You know, yeah. A little bit of everything all mixed up. And the one thing you got to remember, Mr. Tom Massey's favorite saying, gold is where you find it. Yeah, now we've had better luck on some than others. Some, we were real close to getting skunked, but not quite. But We've been skunked a time or two. But you can't blame that on the amount of gold on a claim. No. Because most of the claims that these people have, these groups have, let's say 49ers, they have river claims on the Klamath. And some of these river claims are a mile long. So how could any group of people go in on that claim, a mile-long river claim, and after a week or two of working, state that it's worked out. Well, not just that. A lot of um, those claims are good for suction dredging, which is why uh, McCracken and the new 49ers joined in the lawsuits. Because mm-hmm. that was they were a, very active in all that. They to this uh, day. that was you know because they had so many people interested in dredging. That was why they got those claims. And. So this, all this mess with not being able to dredge is really kind of put the kibosh on things. And then when you kind of when you put throw in the no motorized mining at all, you have to rethink and rework the whole way that you you know which um, like instead of being down around uh, crap, what was the name of the landing down there where we? Oh, um, where you got where you took the boat out? Yeah, you can't remember it either. But anyway, instead of being down there, Wingate, Wingate, instead of being down at Wingate, Wingate, um, you know they're up in the the Syed Valley, and up on you know toward the other end of the claims, going closer to Wairika. So it's made everybody rethink, you know, to get out of the deep water to be able to use their sluice boxes because everything's non-motorized. You know, they've had to go up more on the shallow end of the river than as opposed to working the deep holes on the other end. So it's really, it's it's really thrown everybody for a loop and made them have to rethink everything that they're doing. Yep. Well, we kind of missed the bottom of the hour breaks, but I still want to put a little music in. We give ourselves a little break on the voices, grab a cold drink, bite it, you know, a little munchy, whatever. We figure y'all might as well do the same thing because we got a whole bunch of stuff to cover and about an hour and 40 minutes to do it in. And I believe we'll be right back right after Uncle Bud. 18, 19, 20 years ago, Kabud beat the devil out of Kanajo, Uncle Bud. Don't 
And this is World Expeditions After Dark on KDCL Media, the pride of Internet Radio, for Deep Creek Lake, Garrett County, Maryland, and the world. I'm Miss Paula. Across the way is Oro Cass. And uh, we're going to jump over and cover a little bit more on the gold mining thing because uh, we've got to get up with our uh, buddies and friends at AMRA. American Miners' Rights Association, uh, led by the infamous Shannon Poe, and there's been some really crazy stuff going on in Idaho. I believe we covered a little bit of it on the 22nd, didn't we? That was right after he started reporting from the river. Yeah. If I remember right. Let me double-check the date here. Yeah, you had talked about... um, Yeah, hello from Judge Camp was July 24th. Idaho dredging update, I think, was the last one we did on the 26th because, no, we were the last time we were on was the 22nd, so we couldn't have done those. No, we didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let me see how long this one is. We might have to do both of these because it's all important stuff. Now, folks, what we're talking about here, this is an ongoing thing with some uh, guys that are part of AMRA in the state of Idaho, and they're legally dredging with permits. And everything done exactly the way the law states that they do it. And they have a problem with officers of the National Forest National Forestry Department yeah. Service. And along with some other people. So whenever you hear the phrase Leo, that's law enforcement officer for the US Forest Service. Okay. This guy came in guy by the name of Brooks Beagle came into their dredge camp with idle threat, a lot of stuff that he was basically making up because he obviously didn't know 
what the real laws, the new laws on dredging, because there are some new stuff that was passed for Idaho, uh, a lot of kind of crazy stuff that you have to do to, to comply. And Mr. Poe, being the professional gold miner that he is, can, and the president of American Miners' Rights Association group, um, you can be guaranteed they're doing things by the book on the river. And it's on the South Fork of the Clearwater is where they're at. So uh, I'm not going to go back as far as the 24th, but I did want to cover this update from the 26th because it is good stuff. And this comes directly from the uh, AMRA site. You can go over, you can find what I'm reading from by clicking on news and events and then clicking on current legislation. That's where you'll find this. Uh, South Fork of the Clearwater update, July 26th. Yet another day partially missed to deal with this United States Forest Service nonsense. We drove to Grangeville to call a gentleman in Missoula, Montana at the regional headquarters for the United States Forest Service. He was cordial, but said some things we found quite baffling. He stated all the miners he'd heard from think Cheryl Probert does a good job. He had to stop him. Pretty sure nobody else on the river talks to the miners more than us, and we cannot find one miner who thinks Ms. Probert does a great job. In fact, we can't publish what we think of Ms. Probert's job performance as we have children who read this page. Ms. Probert literally refuses to communicate with the miners, and we even have documented instances of her hanging up the phone on miners. We spoke of the requirement of Ms. Probert, Probert to pass something like her dredge permitting scheme and her failure to follow their own regulations and guidelines for the project. He listened but we'll have to see if they finally start communicating with the miners or the mining district who has jurisdiction on the river. We did learn today that they're intending to cite the miners tomorrow. We do not know how they justify this, nor do we know if they intend to arrest or confiscate equipment. Oh, and by the way, we thought yesterday's cleanout was pretty good until today. And trust me, when you see the picture, today was a lot better. <laughs> and that was the next to the last update. Now we'll take you up here to, let's see, yeah, on July 28th, is that the one I just did? No, I did 26th, right? Yeah, I did 26th. Okay. On the 28th, South Fork of the Clearwater Update, July the 20, Saturday, July 28th, update, no miners were sighted yesterday. Brooks Beagle, the Leo, or law enforcement officer, was given another stand-down order citing officer safety. As I write this, I cannot hide my sincere disbelief at the doubling and tripling down by the United States Forest Service on this statement. Brooks is no more threatened by the miners up here than he would be going to Les Schwab to get new tires. The absurdity of this is beyond stupidity. The United States Forest Service, we get that you are trying to save face, but come on, guys, really? Sounds like someone is desperate to try and paint us as something we are not, and we're no, we will not tolerate it. What the United States Forest Service needs to do is simple. A public, publicly apologize to the miners for Ms. Probert's illegal 
deliberately creating an adverse regulatory scheme and threatening arrest citations and harassing the minors and materially interfering on a daily basis, which, by the way, is against the law. Mm-hmm. Materially interfering with a gold miner on their rightful claim is a law that you can break. Sit down with the mining community, have an adult conversation about what their objectives are, scrap the ridiculous schemes she created, and do what the United States Forest Service charter states. Talk to miners. She's ignored people up here for years, hung up on miners waiting three years for their POO, which is permit of operation, plan of operation permit, won't answer phone calls, emails even certified letters, or as we refer to their behavior, She's gone rogue. As mentioned two days ago, we had a lengthy discussion with one of the higher-ups within the Forest Service based in the regional office in Missoula, Montana. He expressed one side of the story, that of Ms. Probert's office here in Idaho, and while not surprising with what he said, he was completely wrong. Firstly, he said what he'd heard from the miners up here is that Ms. Probert is doing a good job. We immediately stopped him there and corrected this. We have spoken to every miner up here, every one of them, and have not found one who thinks she's doing a fair job. They think she is an ideologue, won't talk to the miners at all, believes she doesn't care about what kind of devastating regulations she passes and should be removed or should resign. That is the unanimous consensus among the miners. We told Mr. Smith at the United States Forest Service of Montana that over the past four years of issues with the United States Forest Service up here, we have performed several FOIA, or Freedom of Information Act, requests on any and all documents, com- conversations, etc., with respect to dredging up here, AMRA and some miners in particular. Now, we don't know who put the FOIA together, but we'd like to thank that person. When the FOIA was completed, we were given several pages stamped confidential, not for FOIA disclosure. Hmm. That's right. Someone gave us a bunch of documents Ms. Probert and several others most certainly do not want the mining community to see. It's funny how things work out like that, isn't it? <laughs> oh, every once in a while you find somebody who's good at their job. We are not going to disclose what those documents are, but we did tell Ms. Mr. Smith in Montana that we have showed them to a retired federal judge and he was appalled by them. He also stated there was no reason for Ms. Probert not to have released them in the first place since they did not contain personal information, national security issues, or a very select small list of reasons they could not. These documents prove Ms. Probert is not being truthful with her own agency. Ms. Probert is less than honest, plain, and simple. Ms. Probert also produced a letter with District Ranger Terry Nevis's name on it stating dredging is a significant disturbance when Mr. Nevis has stated on film on a recorded meeting with Mr. Probert that I have never said it was a significant disturbance. And uh, watching some of uh, Shannon's videos on YouTube, it's uh, plain to see what kind of crap they're having to put up with in Idaho. Well, you know what they're they're calling a disturbance is the release of water and material off the back of the box. That's their disturbance. Yeah. And we went through this in California where they said we was adding things to that disturbance. But that's not part of this story. They used that same argument in the one video that we were watching. 
Let me see if I can find my place for a <coughs> get choked up there. <laughs> Last August, when this was brought to her attention for the second time, I demanded Miss Probert investigate who produced this letter. She has, you guessed it, ignored our demand to get to the bottom of this fraud. Totally ignored it. This is the primary source she's used to concoct her permitting scheme. And as you can read, it was done fraudulently. It is not going away, Ms. Probert, nor are we. We have piles of evidence of not just wrongdoing, but criminal activity within the United States Forest Service. And as God is my witness, we are going to expose just how corrupt, ideological, and reprehensible the actions of these United States Forest Service folks are up here. In the courts and publicly, this is going to be exposed. Stop harassing, intimidating, materially interfering with, and threatening the arrest to the miners. We are in the best gold I've ever mined up here, and the United States Forest Service is costing me thousands and thousands of dollars in lost wages this season by dealing with, with this abhorrent behavior by the United States Forest Service and Ms. Probert. We're going dredging in about an hour. So again, U.S. Forest Service, if you think you have a case against us, we're at mile marker 39. We should not fear our own government. And that was all written by Shannon Poe, the I believe written by him. It's his journal, so Yeah. And I'm in full agreement on this one. We don't have to give any kind of disclaimer here. Um uh, what these people in the United States Forest Service and the people in California in fifteen were the United was the fishing game people. It's the same game. They're it's it's a matter of uh it's kinda like the marijuana stamp of the seventies. Or the 60s. They said, okay, marijuana is legal. But you, in order to possess it, you have to have a government stamp. Right? Right. Why did, why, why did nobody ever possess any legal weed? Other than <laughs> a few people that were picked for a program. Because they never, they never issued any of the stamps, just like California never issued any permits. Exactly. You can't be in compliance if there's nothing to be issued. And that's exactly what has been done in numerous cases in California, Idaho, Oregon, Washington State. You name it, they pulled it. You want to you want to really be blown away? They even pulled this stuff about dredging and stuff in Tennessee. Yeah. In thirteen, when I was there with the World Expedition thirteen, the first year, they were going through the same battle, and it was all over a bunch of dredgers that got in a big argument with a bunch of fishermen. It's pretty much the same thing no matter where you go. Two different groups of people want to use the same waterway for two different reasons. Guess what? We don't get in each other's way. It's okay if you want to fish while I'm dredging. Matter of fact, it'd probably be a good idea to fish while I'm dredging because it attracts fish. Yeah, because you stir up the bottom and the food. Well, the greenies, you know, or the... the the uh well okay we'll just call it with the names yeah because I got a bunch <laughs> but we'll just leave it you know with the greenies the the people that don't like us dredging their gold the gold out of the river because we make big muddy spots in the water well they don't want anybody in the woods basically well now you're coming to a whole new can of worms <laughs> that we might have time to open in the second hour yes that's well, it all goes along with it, though. I mean, uh, you know, we've heard the horror stories when we were in Happy Camp of the the things that 
the Karuk and other people have put the gold miners through on the Klamath River. So it's uh, it's the, the never-ending story. <laughs> well, you're going to have your politics no matter what you're doing, where you're going, or who you're with. Yeah, there's so you always got to figure out how you're going to deal with it when it pops up. There's always going to be somebody that's going to try and rain on your parade, even though, you know, we had the mining law of 1872. Um, it's going the way of the Constitution. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. It was just a suggestion, a guideline. It's antiquated, outdated, blah, blah, wolf, wolf. Um, so there's always somebody who. Uh, regardless of whether or not it's a law, they're going to say, well, it's a bad law, so we don't have to follow it. And you can always find a judge that will go along with you. Yep. Now, on August 3rd, it's funny because this title keeps changing, I guess, so they get different SEO for it. It went from Southport Clearwater Update to SFCW Update. Yeah, update. <laughs> or it might be somebody who's typing on their phone. Yeah. <laughs> their thumbs are getting tired. Yeah. But on August 3rd, the last update given uh, simply states, Yes, folks, we are aware of the article out of the Spokane, which appears to be distributed by the Lewiston far-left media. Our thoughts? Who gives a care? Who cares? We've been given quite a few interviews. We have given quite a few interviews, and you'll be seeing them shortly. The Lewiston Tribune, who is quite left on their political ideology, has written articles on dredging up there several times in past years, and in our opinion, they are less than honest about their reporting. We compare their reporting to CNN crying foul for saying CNN sucks, but then attacks Trump, Miss, Mrs. Trump for reading to little children. It is called hypocrisy and ideology. To the issue, I was found to be in noncompliance with IDWR's rules and regulations for these specific reasons. Although I was approved by them to move to our new location nearly two weeks ago, I was dredging outside the delineated narrow line of area they have approved as that is where the gold took me on my claim. Where I was, their delineated location, I averaged 3 to 5 grams a day, moving 33 feet over product produced two ounces per day, 63 grams. I uh, was also found in violation for having a rope tied to the dredge to one side of the river and a rope to the other side, a three-point tie, to secure my dredge. We're not supposed to have a rope which extends across the full width of the river. I believe I remember hearing that somewhere else. And then when they couldn't get that to go, they went with the height of the rope. Yeah. <laughs> remember? Yeah. So they're dealing with the same thing in Idaho we dealt with in 15 on the Kalama. Yeah. From fishing game. We have heard, although have not confirmed, that the reasoning is so as not to interfere with rafters or inner tubers who may want to cre recreate on the river. Yeah, we know your thoughts, ours as well, but that discussion is for another day. I had a couple of gas cans, ANSI approved sitting on the bank outside the river up on the bank, and we have spill pads and new sure cans, which virtually prevent any spills or leaks. Their regulations state they must be stored outside the stream channel. 
without a definition of what that is, we deducted it meant well outside the water channel where we had them, but they claimed it needed to be further than where we had stored them. Here's the bottom line, folks. Idaho WR is not the enemy here, so we ask you refrain from attacking them over this. We expect to resolve these issues rapidly and without any problems and have a meeting with the director of the IWR first thing next week. I do not dispute these minor and what some may consider trivial violations, but rules are rules, and we believe everyone should be held to, to the same standards as anyone else, us included. If one parks illegally, one is in violation, even if it is for a valid reason. Sure, they are watching this river close closer than any other, and we all know I am singled out, but we expected that. What does this do to open a dialogue with IW, IDWR about some of their rules, especially the one where a claim owner can only dredge in a little tiny spot on their claim? But to move and ask permission takes a long time, and since the season is only one month, waiting for approval costs money, lots of money. IWDR has agreed, IDWR has agreed to have after-season meetings to discuss some of these regulations and the potential for changing them. Some of these rules simply do not work well at all and should be revisited, which they will. I do want everyone to know we have had nothing but professionalism from IDWR, all of their staff, and they have been accommodating for the most part. Again, they are not the enemy of the miners. They are experiencing extreme pressure from radical environmental groups like Idaho Conservation League, or ICL. You guys all remember the guys who said it is my river? Yeah, those folks. The Idaho Congress passed laws which gave, give this agency the mandate to regulate this particular river as well as other rivers in the state. In reference to the United States Forest Service, that is a different story, and being a former investigator as a previous career, I can tell you none of the evidence we have gathered just in the past few weeks is nothing short of jaw-dropping. Much of it we are keeping close to our chest right now, and we have only provided to it to select folks like attorneys, senators, congressmen, and certain folks high over Ms. Probert's head. The truth and, yes, justice will prevail on the, their illegal Yes, we say illegal actions. Not surprising, the United States Forest Service still hasn't picked up the phone and reached out to the miners. We guess they're too busy trying to defend the indefensible. If they were smart, they'd start asking Ms. Probert some serious questions about what they've done up there. We will continue to keep you all posted, and we humbly appreciate all the support. Yes, uh, Shannon and the AMRA do... uh they stand up for the gold miners on a lot of different issues. Well, they're in the exact same battle that the new 49ers and Dave McCracken were in in 15. Yeah. It's just a different group. They're battling on a federal level. McCracken was battling on a state level because of the moratorium. Right. So this will be interesting to see how it washes out because we still have, and it is upheld in a court. It has just recently, as a matter of fact, the mining law of 1872. So, you know, that that holds water, even though it's old. You know, these kids today like to say, oh, the Constitution's outdated. This is outdated. They're tearing down statues because they're a hundred-year-old man that owned a slave. Why are we taking it out on a concrete statue? Why not see what we can do in a positive way 
to have people believe what they want somebody to believe. Oh, they're trying to whitewash history. Right. And the same thing's going on with being in the woods. You said it a little while ago. The ability to be out with nature in the woods is quietly being eliminated. And call me a conspiracy nut if you want, but I've got lots and lots of proof to prove what I'm saying. My proof goes to the point where when I was in gold camp in 2013, I got on video the United States Forest Service in Oregon putting up a fence over a road. Not a gate, but a fence. And I asked the question, why isn't this a gate? And they said, because this area is closed to the public for good. And it was one of the most beautiful campground sites on the mountain. Yeah. But just for no reason, out of nowhere, because it was right next across the road, next door to what they were calling a conservation area. Let me give you a hint, folks. Conservation area in Oregon means it's a place that was on fire in a great big way quite a few years ago. And now it's not worth anything to any animal hardly, to any person hardly, because of all the undergrowth that comes up at first before there's any trees. And they they call them conservation areas. They, they, they go in and find these plants that are special or this and that, and they say, okay, no people allowed. Now, you, think I'm, you still think I'm crazy after hearing that part? How about the picture that I posted on Facebook back in 2012 in a rest area on I-81 in Virginia where they had taken a very cool rest area, one of the coolest ones in the whole country because this rest area was one where you could park your car or your big truck, huge parking lots, beautiful restrooms, concession area, the whole thing. And then out back, they had this brown fence, this old antique-looking fence, and you walked through an open gate back to an old farm. And you were able to take a self-walking tour of an old 18, late 1800s farm right out behind the rest area. Well, in 2012, that being one of my favorite rest areas, and that also being the last year I drove a truck, I decided let's go check out the farm rest area. I pull in, and I got a picture of a sign that is at the fence where the open gate used to be. And the big brown sign, which means it's from the National Forest Service, because it was, I think, a National Forest Treasure or whatever they call it. No, a historic landmark. Park. No, no, just National National Forest Park or whatever. But they had a brown sign, and it stated, what did, I, what did it say? I want to get it exact. Um, no, no pedestrians. Something about nature only. Yeah, no, no people pass. <laughs> no people pass this point. In nature, you know, this has been this area is closed and is now a nature area. Okay, this was in 2012, folks. Six years ago, going on seven years ago. Those are the little things that have been going on for quite a few years. Because here comes the after dark part. Ten after ten, I can do it right. Yeah, I can pull the pull the cork. Yeah. <laughs> it's all part of the plan called in 
W-O, and I'm not talking about wrestling. New World Order. And it used to be, if you talked about the New World Order, or One World Order, however you want to say it, you were laughed at, you were told to get a tin hat, so on and so forth. But anybody who knows a man by the name of George Soros can tell you that he is one of the richest people on the planet, and he's also the number one advocate for One World Order. Put the two together. Lots of money and wants everybody to live under one roof around the whole planet. Now, you might think that sounds pretty good if you're leaning towards independent, socialist, whatever you want to call yourself. But here's the bad news. It doesn't work. You want a good example? The Roman Empire. Look it up. Google it. It's supposed to be the perfect democracy. Socialistic democracy, I believe is the way they phrased it. And it collapsed under its own weight. Exactly. Look at Venezuela. Uh, they just did, They just said on the news here a little while ago on Fox News that the Venezuelan rate has now, uh, inflation rate is now at 1 million percent. That's a country that's ceasing to exist before our very eyes. Yeah. And, because of socialism. And uh, somebody tried to take old Maduro out with a drone. Yep. They missed, but. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny to watch, dude. They had ducking and running, boy, covering him up. They had the shield, the Kevlar shields to cover him. And, yeah, somebody but, tried to drop bombs with a drone. I guess they missed. <laughs> but, uh, well, and I won't say it started with Agenda 21, but it became more public with this. Uh, United Her- uh, Heritage Sites and uh, Agenda 21 where there's all these uh, historical sites across the world World Heritage Sites that if that country goes to war those sites are supposed to be protected more so than the population of the country they're, they're supposed to make the biggest effort to protect these sites and you have to kind of wonder how that's working out for them considering how many of these world heritage sites they've destroyed in Syria and uh, Iraq and uh, a lot of the Middle Eastern countries where there was temples and so on and so forth and churches that were thousands and thousands of years old so their world heritage sites hasn't worked out very well but there are big chunks of land that used to be national parks here, like the Cherokee National Forest. Mm-hmm. Well, that is now under UNESCO, under the World Heritage Sites. It's no longer... It's going to be interesting to see what uh, a man named Trump does about all that. Well, the way he's been uh, knocking out... Look what he did to rabbit ears. Yeah. And there's one of those big ones out there out west. Bears ears. Bears ears. Some ears. Some, big, some critters' ears. <laughs> some big chunk of land in Utah that nobody even knows exists most of the time, but there's a lot of really. It's a land of multiple minerals and uh, assets for the country. Yeah. So the miners, the mining community, are in the process of tearing it up, and well, that's good because that's a that's a asset for our country for everybody. Well, if you think about it, the majority of the eleven western states belongs to the federal government, and the federal government technically is not supposed to own land. Okay, let's take the word technically out because you're right. The federal government, by the Constitution, 
is not supposed to own any land except the what is it, two square miles of DC, uh, any ports, docks, areas like that, and that are that have to do with inter, inter, uh, international commerce and the territories. And that's it. They own nothing. When somebody says, oh, federal government owns this, no, they don't. They don't own it. You might hear somebody say they own it. There might be some kind of law enforcement agency standing there trying to tell you they own it. But by the Constitution that I go by, that my flag stands for, they're not allowed to own real estate of any kind other than what I just named. The area of Washington, D.C., the ports and docks, so on, of international trade around the country and the territories, legal territories, Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, Guam, so on and so forth. That's it. This whole thing of the Bureau of Land Management. Now, there's a good one for you. You want to get into some long conversations about a whole bunch of bullshit. That's it. The Bureau of Land Management is right up there with the IRS on no need to be in existence. But that's for another show. Well, yeah, that kind of goes along with the, the National Park Service. That's how they started collecting land uh, when uh, Teddy Roosevelt started the National Park Service. Well, and then see, here's the thing. Just like we found out when we were out there in fourteen. And there was quite a few places that I had on my bucket list I wanted to go. One of them was the, to see the actual marker at Four Corners in the southwestern United States, where Colorado, let's see if I get this right now, Colorado, uh, Utah, New Mexico, and Arizona all come together. Creates a perfect cross, 90 degrees on all four parts. And there's a marker in the ground in a building on an Indian reservation. Right. Uh, Navajo, I believe. Indians want you to pay $25 a carload to go see the marker in the plastic case in the building. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that is a national treasure. Not just a national park or national this or that. That is a treasure. That's something where... The 11 western states that you'd like to refer to came to be. That was the first intersection of the 11 western states. That's why it's perfect. It kind of resembles the reason that the line between Maryland and Pennsylvania is so straight, because it represented a boundary. It represented something that all of us as Americans have something to do with, same as that does. The same as uh, the... Um, petrified forest the Grand Canyon how many people would like to see the Grand Canyon that can't afford the 20 bucks it takes to drive around it yeah Yeah. think about it well it says that the National Park Service is charged with the dual role of preserving the ecological and historical integrity of the places entrusted to its management while making them available and accessible to for public use and enjoyment. Right. And you're supposed to be free. This whole thing of having to pay money to get in a national park or a national forest is insane. State parks and state forests, that's one thing. That's the way they 
part of the way they help pay to support the park. But we have a, what's called the Department of the Interior that makes sure there's a budget or supposed to be a budget for all of our national parks and forests. Now, let's jump ahead to the swamp that Mr. Trump's wading around in and look at why we have to pay. I just said it, the swamp. They have managed to make it where it's it's like a tax to use something that was given to us as ours as a people. And they keep uh, trying to make monuments and um, find new reasons to take new places, to take them out of the public domain where people can no longer go and uh, and enjoy them anymore um, for, because there's a bat or a salamander or something <laughs> living don't get me somewhere. Started. Don't get me started with the bats because that's keeping me out of my childhood, one of my childhood favorite places, a little cave down here that the uh, kiddo... I guess the national, the federal, the feds are the one got it closed up because of some bat with some kind of white, pale nose disease of some kind. Yeah, they, yeah, they get some kind of fungus or something or other when they. Guess what? This goes back to what you like to play. Matter of fact, maybe you want to play it right now. It'd be a good time to play it. Let's play Uncle George, because. Who, what gives us the right to say that that bat with that white stuff on his nose that's a disease ain't supposed to be his time to be gone? And maybe two or three new kinds of bats are supposed to show up when he's gone. See, we don't think about that stuff. All we can think about is saving what's here. And that, to me, just like you're about to hear, is bullshit. We're not even pleased on a dog's back when it comes to humanity on this globe. Take it away, George. You got people like this around you. Country's full of them now. People walking around all day long, every minute of the day, worried about everything. Worried about the air, worried about the water, worried about the soil. Worried about insecticides, pesticides, food additives, carcinogens. Worried about radon gas, worried about asbestos. Worried about saving endangered species. Let me tell you about endangered species, all right? Saving endangered species is just one more arrogant attempt by humans to control nature. It's arrogant meddling. It's what got us in trouble in the first place. Doesn't anybody understand that? Interfering with nature. Over 90%, over, way over, 90% of all the species that have ever lived on this planet, ever lived, are gone. They're extinct. We didn't kill them all. They just disappeared. That's what nature does. They disappear these days at the rate of 25 a day. And I mean regardless of our, our behavior. Irrespective of how we act on this planet, 25 species that were here today will be gone tomorrow. Let them go gracefully. Leave nature alone. Haven't we done enough? We're so self-important. So self-important. Everybody's going to save something now. Save the trees, save the bees, save the whales, save those snails. <laughs> and the greatest arrogance of all, save the planet. What? Are these fucking people kidding me? <laughs> save the planet? We don't even know how to take care of ourselves yet. 
We haven't learned how to care for one another. We're going to save the fucking planet? I'm getting tired of that shit. Tired of that shit. Tired. I'm tired of fucking Earth Day. I'm tired of these self-righteous environmentalists, these white bourgeois liberals who think the only thing wrong with this country is there aren't enough bicycle paths. People trying to make the world safe for their Volvos. Besides, environmentalists don't give a shit about the planet. They don't care about the planet. Not in the abstract, they don't. Not in the abstract, they don't. You know what they're interested in? A clean place to live. Their own habitat. They're worried that someday in the future they might be personally inconvenienced. Narrow, unenlightened self-interest doesn't impress me. Besides, there is nothing wrong with the planet. Nothing wrong with the planet. The planet is fine. The people are fucked. <laughs> Difference. Difference. The planet is fine. Compared to the people, the planet is doing great. It's been here four and a half billion years. Did you ever think about the arithmetic? planet has been here four and a half billion years. We've been here, what, 100,000? Maybe 200,000? And we've only been engaged in heavy industry for a little over 200 years. 200 years versus four and a half billion. And we have the conceit to think that somehow we're a threat? That somehow we're going to put in jeopardy this beautiful little blue-green ball that's just a-floating around the sun? The planet has been through a lot worse than us. Been through all kinds of things worse than us. Been through earthquakes, volcanoes, plate tectonics, continental drift, solar flares, sunspots, magnetic storms, the magnetic reversal of the poles, hundreds of thousands of years of bombardment by comets and asteroids and meteors, worldwide floods, tidal waves, worldwide fires, erosion, cosmic rays, recurring ice ages, and we think some plastic bags and some aluminum cans are going to make a difference? The planet, the planet, the planet isn't going anywhere. We are. We're going away. Pack your shit, folks. We're going away. And we won't leave much of a trace either. Thank God for that. Maybe a little styrofoam. Maybe. Little styrofoam. Planet will be here and we'll be long gone. Just another failed mutation. Just another closed-end biological mistake. An evolutionary cul-de-sac. The planet will shake us off like a bad case of fleas. <laughs> a surface nuisance. <laughs> you want to know how the planet's doing? Ask those people at Pompeii who are frozen into position <laughs> from volcanic ash how the planet's doing. Wonder well, if the planet's all right, ask those people in Mexico City or Armenia or a hundred other places buried under thousands of tons of earthquake rubble if they feel like a threat to the planet this week. <laughs> How about those people in Kilauea, Hawaii, who build their homes right next to an active volcano and then wonder why they have lava in the living room? <laughs> the planet will be here for a long, long, long time after we're gone and it will heal itself it will cleanse itself because that's what it does it's a self-correcting system the air and the water will recover the earth will be renewed and if it's true that plastic is not degradable well the planet will simply incorporate plastic into a new paradigm the earth plus plastic <laughs> the earth doesn't share our prejudice towards plastic plastic came out of the earth the earth probably sees plastic as just another one of its children 
Could be the only reason the Earth allowed us to be spawned from it in the first place. It wanted plastic for itself. <laughs> Didn't know how to make it. Needed us. Could be the answer to our age-old philosophical question, why are we here? Plastic. Asshole. So, so, the plastic is here, our job is done, we can be phased out now, and I think that's really started already, don't you? I mean, to be fair, the planet probably sees us as a mild threat, something to be dealt with, and I'm sure the planet will defend itself in, in, in the uh, manner of a large organism, like a beehive or an ant colony can muster a defense. I'm sure the planet will think of something. What would you do if you were the planet trying to defend against this pesky, troublesome species? Let's see, what might, hmm, viruses. Viruses might be good. They seem vulnerable to viruses. And uh, viruses are tricky, always mutating and forming new strains whenever a vaccine is developed. Perhaps this first virus could be one that, that compromises the immune system of these creatures, perhaps a human immunodeficiency virus, making them vulnerable to all sorts of other diseases and infections that might come along. And maybe it could be spread sexually, making them a little reluctant to engage in the act of reproduction. Well, that's a poetic note. And it's a start. And I can dream, can I? See, I don't worry about the little things. Bees, trees, whales, snails. I think we're part of a greater wisdom than we will ever understand. A higher order. Call it what you want. You know what I call it? The big electron. The big electron. Whoa. 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 It doesn't punish. It doesn't reward. It doesn't judge at all. It just is. And so are we. For a little while. Thanks for being here with me for a little while tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. G.C. George Carlin. Rest and, in peace. And if any of your little ear, snowflake ears uh, were set to burning by George's ideas and language, we apologize. I don't. <laughs> Don't you, you and Obama get together on that apology tour, huh? Nope. <laughs> Nope, I'm, just, a, I'm in 100% agreement with George Carlin on every single thing that ever fell out of the man's mouth. Every single thing. All the way back to a little LP album, which we have in the back, called Toledo Window Box. That was his first break onto the scene, I think in the mid-70s, if I'm not mistaken, early 70s. And George, it was like he said, his his job was to run around all week coming up with bullshit that he can come in and report to everybody on the weekend. He called it goofy. Goofy shit. Yeah, goofy <laughs> shit. That's what it was. The very first one you're right on the on Toledo in the box was thinking up goofy shit. It's called goofy shit. So and he did it very well. He he was one of the greatest comedians I think of all times on a list of only two or three in my head and just like this recording he told told it like it was and he made it funny as he told it so as far as what you said if anybody's feelings were hurt by what george carlin just shared then maybe you need to go take a look in the mirror because if your feelings are hurt by words then you have a lot of things to fix before you start worrying about big things like 
what's going on in the world. You need to toughen up. Grow toughen some up. skin. <laughs> Suck it up and toughen up. Yep. That's about it because it ain't going to get any easier, folks. If you're in your 20s and you happen to hear this and you're wondering what the hell I'm rambling on about, I'm just here to tell you, it ain't going to get any easier. So <laughs> if you're offended by somebody, by what they say or by how they look, you are in the wrong country. Like Degan McDowell says, suck it up, buttercup. Because <laughs> your life isn't going to get, it isn't going to get any easier. It isn't going to be any different. You know, once you get out of college or high school or whatever and get out there in the real world, the real world don't give a rat's patootie if you're upset or stressed or triggered or all that other crap that they go through on these college campuses anymore where they want uh, therapy dogs and crayons and <laughs> don't all get that, me started. Please all don't that get me started. Stuff. We only have a half hour. The, the, it's not the, fair if you're going to start this. The, the real world don't care about all that. So you should start this like right at the beginning of a two-hour show. <laughs> get me started. Anyhow. The last 30 minutes, we're actually going to talk a little bit about that, what I was talking about earlier. Um, but before we do that, everybody can find us at oroexpeditions.com and orocastcryptoworld.com. Click on the links in the marquee. Also, instead of what you meant, instead of waiting till you were done, was you would take what I was going to talk about. <laughs> I didn't do that either. I just... Reminded everybody where they could find us. I guess it's a good blend in because, uh, yeah, the last half hour, I want to get into a little bit about what's going on with us. And we talked a little bit about where we went and what we did. But yeah. You didn't give me any details. <laughs> well, actually, we did. Yeah, that's right. We did. It's been, it's been over an hour ago. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, we did. We came we home. We gave lots of details. That's right. We came Big home buggy. with it. The- with a big got, ass motor home. <laughs> right. And we named it already. If everybody remembers from World Expeditions, the Nugget Buggy is the Dodge Nitro, which got its name in 2013. And now we have Little Nugget Buggy and Big Nugget Buggy. <laughs> big Nugget Buggy is a 38 foot motor home. The new mobile headquarters for World Expeditions, along with all of our other little adventures that we have going. And I just had somebody ask me the other day on Facebook, just how many different type, how many different things are you selling these days? <laughs> okay. Well, guess what, folks? I ain't selling anything. Me and Miss Paula got involved in a couple of different companies here where we're able to uh, do a few different things that are, you know, financially fit, you might say like increase our Bitcoin without risk. That's pretty cool. And we have two companies that we're doing that with that makes it possible. One's called Unify and the other one's called Binance. We have something else that has to do with Bitcoin called CWE, Crypto World Evolution. Crypto World Evolution is home of the crypto bots, the trading bots, which do automatic trading of Bitcoin Tether and other altcoins in your favor, depending on the market swing. Now, different robots with CWE do different things. So if you have one set up that works 
when the mark when Bitcoin's going up and Bitcoin's going down, then you're going to lose some money. It's just like we always say with all of those type of opportunities that have to do with the crypto world, you only play with what you can afford in all capitals, A-F-F-O-R-D, afford to lose. And we mean that in all sincerity. Yes. Please do not use rent money, bill money, uh, uh, what's that? Grocery they money. Give each other whenever they're divorced. Um, alimony. Alimony. The child support, right. Don't use any of those if you're talking about Bitcoin, please. Because it is very risky. It's very volatile. But if you know the right people to work with and the right information to learn, then it can be, you take a lot of the risk out. Education removes risk. Remember that. Yes, it does. And, uh, there's a lot of great places out there to educate yourself these days. Uh, a lot of great videos on YouTube about charts and so on and so forth. Now, the, the charts well, are a little... the best place on YouTube to see all that? <laughs> uh, Unify or or Cast Crypto World <laughs> or, or Cast Crypto World's YouTube page. That's the one where he's looking for because you just said YouTube. I said, where's the best place on YouTube to see oh, all that? I missed the YouTube part. YouTube forward slash Orocast Crypto World. Right? Yes. Um, and that, by the way, is our new domain. We haven't talked much about that either. Yeah. We kind of been working away from Orocast Blockchain Club, which is a group that I came up with on Facebook. And it kind of followed us around. It was... It's an email, it's everything. But that has morphed into Worldcast Crypto World, which is a dot com. Uh there's an email. You can send me email at Worldcast Crypto World at gmail dot com. Um we just pretty much said, Okay, we're gonna work all the stuff that has to do with our crypto business into this one site, WorldCastCryptoWorld.com. Check it out. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about doesn't have anything to do with Bitcoin or the blockchain. Um, it has to do with some great products that we've come to know about in our recent journey with affiliate marketing. Yes, and uh, we've uh, got a, a lot of, we found a lot of great uh, products that when we first got started in this, you would have never thought to find. But um, we found a, a company called CTFO that sells uh, CBD oil products. No, not sells, distributes. D- distributes. Yeah, they, I guess you could say they sell it too. But. We sell it, they distribute it. Right. <laughs> but it's all non-GMO. Uh, 100% grown and processed here in the U.S. It's hemp-based, which is important. It's all, yeah, it's hemp-based, which makes it legal. Now, a lot of people that I've been talking to lately have been talking about, I just go down to the corner grocery store and I can get that vial of juice for my vape pen, and it's, supposed to, and it's CBD oil. Well, I don't know anything about vape pens, folks. I've never tried one. don't have any desire to because I know somebody who suffers from a 
pretty wild form of popcorn lung, and it's not pretty. So you need to be studying up if you're doing the whole vape thing and trying to do CBD oil. It's not really the best way to do it. No. <laughs> no Orally, okay. under your tongue with a really good product is the way because they tell you to hold it under your tongue for 30 seconds. And it's good that it has a little bit of a peppermint flavor to it because otherwise it would be fairly nasty. And it's fairly expensive. But I'm going to give my little testimony on it. I figure you'll give one too. We've been on it about a week, right? A little yeah, less. Yeah, a little less. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, we got home on Tuesday and it was, no, we got home on Monday and the box came on Tuesday. So. so Tuesday to now, Tuesday to Sunday. And I believe it was Thursday morning. No, take it back. It was Friday morning that I woke up and came out to the kitchen to do my coffee thing and looked up at the clock. And instead of the usual somewhere between 6.30 to 7.30, it was 8.30. And what was really crazy, I had gone to bed at midnight, which was also weird. I usually, I'm usually up just because I can't sleep until about 2, 2.30 in the morning. And Friday night, I went to bed, or Thursday night, I went to bed at just after midnight. And I slept through the night, which is really unusual because of my shoulder pain and back pain. And when I woke up, the day had already started without me. <laughs> it was daylight and it everything? It was quarter till nine in the morning, and the sun was coming in the window. Well, no, it was raining, but uh, yeah. you get the picture. And I chalk it up to CBD oil by CTFO. We have become dedicated users of the 750 milliliter level. That's the next to the highest level. They have different levels that you can get so that you can try it without a lot of side effects. Some people have side effects with it, um, different different side effects. The best thing to do is go to the website and study up on it because the web, the main website has uh, um, information on overload is the best way to put it. Yeah. And they also have lots of different products, anti-aging stuff, skin creams, and things that you should be talking about. <laughs> Pain relief. Uh, they That's have, my deal. I just got done uh, talking about. <laughs> uh, well, just general overall uh, to improve your health better than your vitamins do. Uh, they have things for your pets. Uh uh, we bought some of the pet treats for Rock and uh, Coda, and they've helped Rock an a lot with uh, his bad leg. Uh, they also have products for weight loss. Um, they have. They're all CBD based too. Right, they're all CBD oil based. They also have a a, a pain cream, not just the oil that you put under your tongue, but this is a, a, a cream that they. Mix uh, CBD oil with emu oil for joint pain. And it's just to sit and read all the CBD-based oils, um, it's, it's amazing. Some of them you use as a spray. You spray it into your mouth. 
Uh, they well, have, those are the, the ghost sprays, the quick to yeah, go, so you true. don't carry a bottle with an eyedropper in it around with you. Yeah, you know, stick it in your pocketbook and, and go, or your pocket. <laughs> they have a spray for animal for pets. Yeah, to spray in their mouth, so you don't want to do the treat. But our dogs love the chewies. Yeah, and I've they, already noticed a big difference in Hard Rock. He has bad hips, and in, you know the Chihuahua pick the leg thing. Pick yeah. the leg up because of the bad kneecap thing going on. And I'm here to tell you, I, I'm pretty sure he's in a lot less pain. Well, we've uh, we've always, when the pain got really bad, given him an aspirin, a baby aspirin, like the vet recommends. Mm. But since he's been doing the chewy, the uh, chew treats, uh, we've been able to cut down on the aspirin. And like you said, he he likes them. He, oh, yeah, it's a treat. <laughs> Not medicine, it's a treat. And and he hates to take pills because you have to hide them. <laughs> and if he finds them, he'll spit them out every time. But, oh, yeah. But these chews, he really likes them. But, uh, yeah, if you're looking for the, you know, the stuff for the wrinkles, the anti-aging and all that, they they have the cream and the serums and, and uh Well, that like one the, is like the stuff they use on that guy's eyes on his crow's feet on the commercial. And it actually shows them going away. But the, and they also have a, a total wellness capsule that's like taking your daily vitamin. So that's that uh, we haven't tried those yet, but that's going to be in the next order. I think we're going to give those a try. Right. And, uh, now, what's the great thing about it? Two things. First, if you go to the website, you check it all out, you decide you want to put an order in, you can be just a customer only and put an order in. And we're going to make a little percentage over on the order that you put in because you do it from our website, the one that CTFO made just for us. But if you click on the one that says customer affiliate, then you go to the affiliate side of the website and there, not only can you put in your order at a discount, but you can also sign up as an affiliate and then order from your own page. That's how you get your discount. Right. It's a little bit cheaper. And then you're also set up where we're going to help show you how to promote your website. We have a real cool trick that works. It's been working great for us. It's going to work great for anybody who joins in with us. And that website will be promoted just like ours is. And everybody prospers because people come in and get great products. And then they, in turn, decide, hey, I'll, I got a bunch of friends I want to turn this on to, and it's really cool that I can make a little bit of money. You know, the commission table, you don't get rich just on commissions. You get rich by telling people about it and sharing the opportunity. The The product is one thing. The money-making opportunity is the other half. And they, they go with this particular company. It's the greatest affiliate marketing thing I think I've ever witnessed because the way they have it laid out it is definitely people helping people to be successful well i don't know how uh it affects your pain levels but with my now when i went to bed last night i was if i'd have had to you know one if you were still on morphine i'd have probably borrowed one because i've been scrubbing down the inside of the motorhome plus uh it finally stopped raining so 
I mowed part of the lawn last night. So that by the time I sat down last night after I grabbed a shower. You ever did it with the lawn? I Oh, yeah, I had overdone it. Um, both my hips were just killing me. My arms were killing me from up and, you know, scrubbing walls and cabinets and so on and so forth. And my hips from the lawnmower. Um, then I, I, you know, took my dose of the CBD oil and I was amazed this morning because usually the day after something like that, you know, I'm really sore and, um, you can't hardly get up out of the chair. And, and I was, I was surprised. Now I did take it easy today and we had errands we had to run in town. So I knew there wasn't any scrubbing or lawn mowing today, <laughs> but, but I was surprised at the mobility that I had and how much of the stiffness and the soreness had gone out of my joints. Now I'm, you know, my shoulders are still a little sore, but I'm able to get up and walk and, and do what I normally do instead of, you know, sitting in a hot tub with Epsom salts and soaking my poor old sore bones. Yes. Um, and to answer your question, I've noticed overall, um, that, uh, I know you said you slept better, sleeping better, sleeping longer. Um, yeah, before I'd, you know, the, you know as well as I do, you have a bad shoulder too. That you sleep on the on the bad shoulder for a little while because it's your favorite side, and then it gets to hurt, and then you wake up. Well, there was times I'd have to, you know, get up and take a pill or something like that. None of that happens anymore. It's okay. I'm going to bed at about twelve thirty one o'clock, which is a good solid hour earlier than I usually do, and. Uh, sleeping until seven thirty, eight, seven to eight hours, which is highly unusual. Yeah, usually you were five or six hours. Well, we were driving truck, I was four hours. Yeah. Yeah, we. Of course, the older you get, the more sleep you need, and that wasn't figuring up. I, I heard that a lot, read it a lot, but it wasn't working for me. I was getting less and less sleep because of back problems, neck problems, shoulder problems, and now. Being on a regular 40 drops per day, which is what you take. You take 20 drops. It's about a, it's a regular size eyedropper, and it's um, you do half an eyedropper. That's about 20 drops. You put it under your tongue, and you hold it there for 30 seconds because under your tongue is where it goes to your brain the quickest. That's where it enters your bloodstream that's closest to your brain. So um, as far as pain... Overall pain, I would say, is like the difference between a migraine headache and a sinus headache in my different places where I have different pain. Now, the big change in weather where it goes from nice and warm to wet and damp hasn't happened since we started on CBD yet. So that one's yet a – we don't know for sure on that one. But as far as – I don't know. Like you said, you overdid it. Um, I've been working more – because of getting the RV, I've been working a good bit more, you know, running around outside, making trips to the building, to the basement. And, I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure my legs should be hurting and my hips should be hurting and my lower back should be hurting right now. But they're not. 
and I have CTFO to thank for that. Yeah, because I, I mean, it might people might say, well, you're just you know you try everything that comes down the pike whenever you have chronic pain, and you don't want to do go the narcotics route. You just don't want to be that zombified with the narcotics. Well, I was on at one point, as you well know, I was on three different pain pills, a sleeping pill and a pill to keep from throwing up all the other pills. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I know I know the narcotic trip. And I'm here to tell you, and this is all part of After Dark 2, and we're going to be doing a lot of talk about this on the new show also, which is cannabis. Cannabis saved has saved my life. Period. Why? Because if it wouldn't be for my intake of cannabis on a daily basis, I would be in a wheelchair or dead. Or drugged to the gills. Well, that's why I said I need to be in a wheelchair or dead. Because <laughs> drugs don't keep things from... Okay, let's just say it out loud here on the show. Pharmaceutical companies don't make people better. They make customers. Yeah. Okay? Take that for what it's worth. They're not in the healing business. They're in the money-making business. Same thing. Yeah. That's what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, folks, the CBD oil, you know, you can take a chance with stuff you're buying at the convenience store. You know, your local 7-Eleven, they got a big shelf or a big t- deal. And it might be just as good as this stuff. But I've done my homework here. I know who the people are at CTFO. I know where the hemp is grown. It's grown in a lab. It's not even grown outside. It's grown in a lab. Okay? This is all hydroponic-based hemp grown specifically for this oil and these medicinal products that they make with it, the healing stuff, the skin stuff, and so on. So definitely want to check that out over at www.orocastcryptoworld.com. And look for the CTFO tab at the top. Right. Or the banner on the first page. Now, as far as the Bitcoin stuff, if you're interested in that, all you got to do is text us on Facebook or whatever. I'm easy to find. It's Orocast on Facebook. Uh, Miss Paula Cass, I believe, on Facebook. Paula Cass. Paula Cass. And I'm always posting things about it. It's really easy to get word to me if you want more information. And as far as Oro Expedition 18, before we get kicked out of here tonight, I want to let you know it is on. And the plan is we're going to be making a trip with the Big Nugget Buggy southbound. And then sometime before the end of the year, westbound. And that's about all we got for you right now. Yeah. Locations, not sure. Well, part of that is, you know, when you buy something, you got to go through all the bureaucratic, you know, you got to get it inspected and got to get the license tags on it and all that good stuff. So we're, and that's not something that gets, that happens overnight. So uh, we're in the process of going through all the bureaucratic niceties that uh, go along with um, buying well, something is- new. Since you say we did such a great segment on CTFO, why don't you describe what I'm doing right now as we get ready for somebody to come in and sing a song? Uh, well, right now he's uh, taking his 20-drop dose 
of the 750 milliliter. <laughs> you got just come on, you can describe it. This is radio. <laughs> well, now he's placing his half dropper of CBD oil under his tongue, and for the next 30 seconds, he's going to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> And yet, like he said, it leaves kind of a little funky aftertaste. But no, no, the aftertaste goes away quick. Yeah, it's not it's not that bad. I wouldn't so. recommend drinking anything right away, even though you got the urge to, because it, 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 they did do a peppermint thing. But it's kind of like that peppermint taste of the candy cane that you find in the sofa in July. That's been there since December. You know, and you think, okay, this ain't the five-minute rule by any stretch, but it ain't the floor either, so let's go ahead and have a taste. <laughs> it kind of tastes like that candy cane. And you know you shouldn't have done it, but you do anyway. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, well, I, I can't speak from that experience because we didn't have the five-second rule in our house. <laughs> well, the five-second rule applies to the floor. Okay. That's when you drop something on the floor. You never did the five-second rule on a piece of bologna or something? No. Well, no. see, actually, the Mythbusters checked that out, and five-second rule doesn't apply. <laughs> it don't work. <laughs> if you make it through and pick something up off the floor before five seconds and eat it, and you don't get sick, it just means you're lucky. <laughs> it don't mean that the five-second rule works. Oh yeah, no. If it falls on the floor, the dog or the cat can have it. It. <laughs> Let me leave you one more little tidbit of information, folks. As Miss Rosalie comes in and takes us on out, you want to really freak yourself out? Get you a black light and walk in around your toilet in your bathroom. Or later. <laughs> Don't matter if we're just poor, you know. 
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.